0: Well, Merry Christmas and welcome again to Worship at Calvary. We are so glad you're here, whether you're here in the room in Golden Valley and we want to welcome all of you at our Minnetonka campus or anybody who's watching online somewhere else in the world. Again, we're so glad you take the time to worship with us today. Now, as I look around this room, I see that you all look so great, so festive, so Christmassy which is just awesome, and I want to give a special shout-out to all you parents who got your kids here despite any arguments or bribes or bargaining that maybe had to take place. You're here, and that's the win. Or maybe I should reverse it, actually. Shout-out to any kids who got your parents here on time. That's a win, too, but so good. Uh, To worship with you all. You know, one of my favorite parts of working here at Calvary during December is all the great Christmas decorations that are all over the building. They do such an incredible job. Now, when you go home tonight, I'm also willing to bet you have some great Christmas decorations in your homes. And if you're at all like our house, it's quite a process. It can even be kind of stressful to get your house ready for Christmas. So maybe you have boxes stashed all over the place. It's not maybe just one, it's many, many boxes, right? And then there's that one box that maybe you open it up and you find your lights and they kind of look like this. Does that ever happened to you? And you know, if you find a tangled mess of lights, I don't know, I sometimes wonder like, how in the world could this happen? Like, I thought we were so, so careful when we put them away last year. But here's what we have. now. When your lights look like this, I think there are really two options that you have. One option is to spend all the time and energy that you need to get them untangled, right? The other option is you can toss them in the trash and go buy new ones, right? So I've done a little polling during the other services and I don't think anybody wants to admit that they you know, toss them and go buy new ones. So we're not gonna even try here. But the reason I bring these lights out is because I think this is a metaphor for our life oftentimes. I think we start with the best intentions, we try to make great choices, but life is messy, it just is. And eventually, our relationships, all of our choices, the decisions that we make, it kind of gets tangled up. And after a while, we wonder, maybe it's just easier to, to throw it back in the box, and to try to pretend like everything is okay. And what I wanna talk with you today about is how Jesus coming at Christmas time offers us the freedom and the healing, the peace and the hope that we so desperately need. It's through him that we're able to untangle the messiness of our life and live the way that he intends. Now, during Advent, which is the four weeks leading up to Christmas, here at Calvary, we have done a a sermon series called The Ghosts of Christmas Past. And we've talked about some of the things that can come back to haunt us from our past throughout our life. And the thing is, during a holiday season like we're in, we hear so often that we should be joyous and we should be happy and we should be celebrating, but it's in times like that especially that we can be haunted by these things from our past. And so we talked about hurts and offenses, things that other people have done to us that that still affect us today. And we talked about shame, which is often things we have done ourselves that also haunt us into the present and future. And then we talked about labels. They're words that have been spoken over us or to us that still come back and they hurt Yet today. And then finally, we talked about fear and how fear often causes us to be uncertain and it causes us to sit back and to not move forward when we have opportunities in our life. Now, many of you are familiar with the Charles Dickens book and play and movie called A Christmas Carol, right? Featuring good old Ebenezer Scrooge. And you know, if you're familiar with the story, that Scrooge is visited by three different ghosts. It's not just the ghost of Christmas past, it's also the ghost of Christmas present and the ghost of Christmas future. And so it's kind of a a supernatural intervention that takes place. And these ghosts come and they guide Scrooge through various points in his life and try to help him move forward in a healthier way. Now, as a kid, we often watched one of the classic versions of A Christmas Carol, the one with George C. Scott. And the thing about the movie was the ghost of Christmas future is basically the Grim Reaper. And it freaked me out, like nightmares. So, you know, this Christmas movie suddenly became something that was awfully scary. So I'm much, I much prefer watching The Muppets Christmas Carol. But choose whatever version you'd like. But what I'd like to dig into as we talk about the meaning of Christmas is the freedom and the healing that Jesus brings to us from our ghosts of the past and the present and the future. Now, there are a lot of different ideas today about what Christmas is really about. And I think back uh, a number of years ago, when we were doing one of our favorite family uh, Christmas traditions, which was going to the old Holodazzle Parade, when it was still downtown Minneapolis. And it was this big parade, tons of lights, it was vendors all over, a big celebration. And so we went down and we watched the parade, and then we were walking to get dinner at a restaurant. And as, as we were walking and we saw all this commercialized things going on, I thought, you know, this would be a good opportunity to make sure that our kids know the real meaning of Christmas. And so I turned to our son, Soren, who was maybe six or seven years old, and I said, you know, Soren, what is Christmas really about? And he looked at us for a little bit and he said, or I, actually, the question I asked him is, why do we celebrate Christmas? And he looked at us a little bit confused. He looked at the lights. He looked at all of the commercialization around. And then he looked back and he said, it's what we do as Americans. And I thought, you know, that's not quite the ideal answer for a pastor's kid. So we had a little more work to do. But, you know, when you think about all the different answers you might get, if you ask somebody, why do we celebrate Christmas? Some people might say, well, it's, it's just what we do. Others would say, well, it's a great reason to get together with family. Others would say, well, it's just about the traditions that I grew up with, and I want to continue them on with my family. There's so many different reasons. But it's to a, a dark and cold and indifferent world with all sorts of different expectations and all sorts of different traditions that Jesus was born, God's only son, And he was born as a baby in a manger in the most insignificant and backwoods town that you can imagine. Now, Jesus is called a variety of names throughout scripture, and they communicate his power and his meaning. But I think there's one name that's especially amazing that he is given, and it's the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. It means that Jesus was God with skin on. Jesus was fully God and he was fully man, which is super hard to wrap our heads around. But one part of what that means is that Jesus experienced the same things that we do. He was a carpenter, he worked as a carpenter for 20 plus years and I imagine what that was like, that maybe occasionally he hit his thumb with a hammer or he got splinters in his fingers. He got bumps and bruises just like we do. He got headaches and stomach aches. Sometimes he was tired and sometimes he was angry and sometimes he was sad. the book of Hebrews 4.15 says, Jesus was tempted just like we are tempted, and yet he never gave in to his temptations. He suffered just like we often do, but he suffered that much more than we ever suffer. And even though he was equal in every way to God, the book of Philippians tells us, he made himself nothing voluntarily. He gave up his rights. He gave up his abilities. He made himself nothing he humbled himself by com- by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross now think again how amazing that this is that god put skin on and he became relatable and he became knowable and he became approachable for each one of us the god of the universe who created everything we can see and everything we can't see Downsized in the most incredible way. He downsized to the confines of a human womb. And he was a helpless baby that had to be fed and he had to be held and he had to be cared for just to survive. He had to learn to take his first steps. He had to learn to say his first words. He had to learn to read and to write. He truly became nothing. Now, why in the world would he do this? Well, I think the reason is he became nothing so that we could become something. 2 Corinthians 5.21 puts it this way. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. Jesus says to each one of us, give me all of your sin and your brokenness and I will give you all of my righteousness and goodness. And it will be an even exchange. There's no strings attached. You don't owe anything else. I don't think there's any greater deal in all of history. Well, I love the way that someone once put it. He summed it up by saying he came to our place He took our place, and he invites us back to his place. That's as good as it gets. That is the gospel, that gospel just means good news, in a nutshell. But here's the deal. Remember those ghosts that we started out talking about? The ghosts of past and present and future? Well, they seem to always resurface, even... At the worst of times, they seem to come back and haunt us again and again. Well, in this exchange that Jesus offers to us, he also offers us freedom and healing from those things once and for all. But to truly understand what we're dealing with here, to truly understand the gravity of the situation, we have to come to terms with our real and true condition. You see, our biggest problem was serious enough that it took God going to these lengths for us to solve it. You see, it's a problem that we're not able to deal with on our own, no matter how hard we try, no matter how creative we get, there's no reasons or excuses, or there's no way to explain it away or blame it on someone else. You see, our biggest problem, each and every one of us, is sin. It's our sin and our brokenness that negatively affect our past, our present, and our future. Sin haunts our past. It continues to impact the present, and it creates fear and uncertainty when we look to the future. But here's the thing, our sins are not just mistakes. They're not just accidents. It's not just something we can say, my bad, and then move on. No, sins are when we miss the mark that God has set before us, when we don't live up to his standards on purpose. It's when we decide to do our own thing, to go our own way, when we decide we know best and we turn away from him. You see, church, we are not mistakers. No, we are sinners, Now, sin is just an archery term from many centuries ago. If you had a bow and arrow and you decided to go target practice, if you shot your arrow and you missed the target, that was called a sin. So sin is simply missing the mark, missing the target. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know each and every day when it comes to our lives, when it comes to our relationships, we miss the target in so many ways. We say things that we shouldn't to people that we care about, We're not completely honest at all times. We lose our temper easily. We think hateful things about other people or groups of people. And we try to rationalize it. We try to convince ourselves that it's okay. I mean, everybody else does it, right? Or I'm not as bad as that other person over there. But deep down, we know that we consistently, every single day, we miss the mark. And we don't live the way that God would have us live. Now, God is a completely righteous and holy God, which means he can't coexist with sin. God and sin are like oil and water or like pineapple on pizza. Just checking to see if you're still awake, although it is true. But you see, it's our sin that separates us from God. And it causes us to live in uncertainty and fear and hopelessness. But because Jesus came into our world at Christmas, God with skin on, because he saw his mission all the way through to the end, giving up his life for you and for me, the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future no longer have to haunt us anymore. You see, because Jesus came at Christmas time, there is forgiveness for your past. There was an angel that appeared to Joseph and said, And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's literally what the name Jesus means, that he will save us from our sins. We all have a problem with sin. We all miss the mark and it separates us from God. But God solved our problem with sin, including the deepest, darkest secrets that we don't want anyone ever to find out about. And so Jesus came into our world and he lived a perfect life and he sacrificed his life for you and for me. He paid our penalty in full. And so, because of Him, we can have forgiveness from anything in our past simply by asking and trusting in Him. Now, because Jesus came into our world at Christmas, there is peace in the present. Now, it's easy to be stressed out and to be troubled by present circumstances. We all have things going on in our life that are really hard. But Jesus is able to calm any storm. And when he calms a storm, he doesn't do it from a distance off in the clouds somewhere. No, he's in the boat with us in the middle of the storm. And he can calm the storm with his voice, with his words of comfort and peace. But Jesus also brings us another kind of peace that we so desperately need and that's peace with God. Remember, God and sin don't mix. They can't coexist. And so that puts us at odds with God each and every day. Now, sometimes we might try to bargain with God or we try might try to reason with him, but it's never good enough. It it reminds me of a story of a little kid who really really wanted a new bike for Christmas but he was also pretty self-aware and he knew that he had had not such a great year and so he knew that it wasn't sure he wasn't sure that he was going to get that bike so he thought well desperate times call for desperate measures so he launched a plan he snuck down the stairs from his bedroom down into the living room he snuck over to the fireplace where his family's beautiful nativity set was and he quickly picked up the figurine of Mary and he ran back up to his room. When he got to his room, he closed the door, he got a t-shirt and he wrapped Mary in his t-shirt and then he put her in his sock drawer. And then he got down on his knees by his bed and he said, dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mom again, <laughs> look at what Romans 5.1 says. Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, We have peace with God, but not because we're bargaining, not because we're reasoning with him. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. You see, it's because of Jesus that we can have peace in the present. No matter what our circumstances are, no matter what the story of our life is, Jesus can bring us peace and he can give us peace with God. And then because Jesus came into the world at Christmas, there is hope for the future. With all the sorrows and stresses of life, it's so, so easy to lose hope. After going through an incredibly long pandemic that seems to never really end, along with division all over our country and communities. Along with economic uncertainty, it's only natural that we might wonder what the future will bring. Well, in just over three months, we'll gather again here to celebrate an incredible holiday, and that's Easter. We hope you come back, sit right where you're at, and join us to celebrate. Jesus died and he rose again on Easter so that we can have hope for the future, There's a well-known Bible verse, John 3.16, that sums it up so well. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. See, this life that we're living is not all that there is. This life is just the tiniest blip on the timeline of eternity And so Jesus tells us when we put our faith and our trust in him, then we have the promise of spending eternity with God. It's the very, very best place you could ever, ever be. And so no matter what your story is, no matter what baggage you're carrying with you, no matter what secrets you have hidden away, if you put your faith in Jesus, the same Jesus who came to the world in the most humble and unassuming way, you will receive God's promise of new life and the promise of spending eternity with him in heaven. Now, sometimes people say Jesus is the reason for the season. But you know, I don't think that's actually right. Now, no offense if that was on your Christmas card or you have it hanging on the wall, but you know what the reason for the season really is? It's you and me. You are the reason for the season. You see, without us and our sinfulness and our brokenness, there would have been no need to send Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. There would have been no need for Christmas at all. But you see, God in his abundant grace and mercy saw our greatest need and he saw our condition and he sent us the greatest gift, and the only solution for our greatest problem. And because of that incredible gift, we can be free, totally free, from the ghosts of our past, present, and future. As we close out our time together tonight, I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me. And this is simply a prayer to invite Jesus into your life, to say yes to him, to receive the gifts that he's offering to you. Now, perhaps this is the first time that you've received Jesus into your life. Or maybe you'd like to recommit your life. Maybe you once followed, but now you find yourself a little distant. Well, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer. Now, there's nothing you need to say out loud I'm just gonna ask you to bow your head and if you'd like to pray it, pray it in your heart as I say these words out loud. So let's bow our heads and pray. Jesus, I admit to you that I am a sinner in need of a savior. I ask you to forgive me and give me a fresh start. I receive your gifts of forgiveness from my past, peace in the present, and hope for the future. Help me to walk closely with you each day forward. Thank you for your amazing gift. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me tonight, you have a reason to celebrate because you are a part of God's family. You do have forgiveness from your past and you have peace for the present and you have hope for the future. Now, if you said yes to Jesus today, we'd love to connect with you and encourage you and walk with you on your faith journey. So what I'd ask you to do is to scan the QR code on your bulletin or on the pew in front of you. And if you scan that QR code, you'll see there's a button you can push that says, I said yes to Jesus. And again, we would just love to come alongside you and to encourage you in your faith. Now, if you're thinking, you know, I'm just not ready for that. I'm not sure where I'm at in my faith today. I just want you to know that that's okay and that you are welcome here. And we'd love to continue to get to know you and to see you here again. Well, finally, one of my very favorite parts of our Christmas services every year is when we get to sing Silent Night together by candlelight. And so during the next song, we're gonna have ushers come and help light our candles, and then we will sing Silent Night together. But we need to have a few instructions just so we don't burn the place down or burn our neighbor down or make a mess. So first, we just ask that only adults hold lit candles, please. Number two, just remember, don't tip a lit candle because it's just gonna pour wax all over the place or on the person next to you. And so that means when you're lighting the candle, only tip the unlit one. And then finally, on your way out after the service, there'll be ushers with some big bins. If you could just put your candles in there, that would be awesome. So again, we're so glad that you have joined us today. And my prayer for each and every one of you is that you would have a very, very Christ-filled Christmas.